Are you ready? I think so. All right. Well, then we are going to uh, deal into our uh, children's phenology, student phenology. Funding for student phenology is provided in part by the Minnesota Environment and Natural Resources Trust Fund. Phenology talkbacks are produced by Charlie Mitchell. Our first report comes from Michelle Martin's class at Prairie Creek Community School near Northfield. Hi, this is Sophie. And this is Robbie. And we're from Prairie Creek Community School way down south in Northfield, Minnesota. Well, there's one thing that really jumped out at us this week. Don't worry, folks. We don't mean literally. That's right. We've started to hear a lot of cardinals. We first heard the O Ricky song on January 29th, which was the earliest we've ever heard it. But now we're hearing a lot, especially in the morning. And we've been seeing a lot of cardinals, too. We're wondering if they get brighter when the spring comes. The temperature has dropped again, and people have been starting to tap trees. The buds are also swelling on a lot of the trees. We heard two different owls. Anne heard a barred owl, and Andrew heard a great horned owl. Amelia saw a hawk, and so did Kyle. Both were probably red-tailed hawks. Sienna saw an eagle in the spot where it usually is. And the eagle that often soars over the school in the afternoon was spotted too. Silas saw a flock of about 20 turkeys. And Andrew saw a group of about 20 ducks heading from one pond to another. The dogwood are really red, and the willows are very yellow. Finally, we're still seeing juncos and hearing that Phoebe song. This has been Prairie Creek. One more step along the phonology journey. Yeah, thank you for that great report. Uh, Charlie did a little work, and she said, I checked according to the birds of the world, the adult northern cardinals molt during July through October. There could be other reasons why they brighten up during this thing. The spring, I, I think, personally, that uh, it's just our eyes are so uh, so anxious for some other colors than than sort of gray and brown that uh, when you find a red bird, it really looks really, really want, wonderful. And Michelle, the, the teacher there, wrote, she said, one exciting thing to add is that when we were collecting samples for our bud study, we found red elder that had already had bud break. Now, I've included a picture, and uh, so, yeah, if you, uh, you want to do the bud experiment, go out in your yard and collect a few branches off of some of the trees and, and shrubs in your yard and throw them in a bucket of water and watch as they develop. You will, you will if you are intently watching, you will learn what it is when bud break happens, when leaf out happens, when flowering occurs. All of those things will become apparent to you as you watch those buds develop. If you decide to do this experiment at home, just remember to trim the bottoms of your sticks, of your, of your branches, with a clippers cut off about a quarter inch each week so that um, they have unclogged uh, tubes in which to draw water up to the plant. They won't get completely developed because there is only so much energy stored in the branch. A lot of the energy that goes into creating the flowers and the, and the uh, leaves will come from the roots, and those are, of course, not there when you've made a bud, when you've clipped a bud like that to, to to get uh, some response from it. Our next report comes from the Phenology Club at Oak Grove Elementary School in Bloomington. 
Hi, this is Callan, Edgar, Lindsay, reporting from Oak Grove Elementary in Bloomington, Minnesota. This week's weather has been cloudy and windy with a high of 36 degrees today. We've had zero precipitation this week. With our animal observations, we notice a lot more birds than the past few weeks. With our plant operations, we notice some are dying, but grass are growing back. We are wondering why the birds are making a nest but not using it. That's all for today. Stay tuned for the next OGE Phenology Club Nature episode. Bye. Thanks for that nice report. Glad to hear from you guys. If a bird is actively building a nest at this time of year, chances are they will use it. If they're building a nest now, if you see them bringing materials in to build a nest, a new nest for this year, there is a very, very good chance that they will use that nest for for their eggs. Now, sometimes they build a nest and it takes a little while for the female to uh, get to the point where she's going to actually lay her eggs. And sometimes they build a nest and they hold on to that territory, and then they use that nest in a you know later in the year when the uh, conditions are going to be better for raising young birds. Young birds needs lots of protein to grow, and most of that protein comes from bugs, insects, and worms, and caterpillars, and the like. And those kinds of food sources are not available all year round, which is why the birds migrate to begin with. But it's possible that some of that uh, food source will come into play when they get a little further along with their development. Uh, the the class there at uh, Oak Grove has uh, has uh, let's see Oak yeah Oak Grove Elementary. They have a picture of a bird nest that they found that has a lot of plastic in it. It's also filled with a lot of debris, and so it's been used by other arboreal uh, critters like uh, maybe a deer mouse or perhaps a, a, a red squirrel. But the nest has a bunch of plastic in it. And looking at the construction of the nest, it's not, it doesn't look like a corvid nest. I mean, it's not a blue jay. There are not enough sticks in it. It's mostly grasses. And it doesn't look, it's not a robin's nest because there's no mud in it. But uh, perhaps uh, you would like to make a guess when you get a chance to look at that nest. We'll post that picture so you can give us your opinion of what you think might have built that nest. Our next report comes from Long Lake Conservation Center. It's read by students from St. Mary's Help of Christians and St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. This is Mia from... St. Mary Help of Christian School in St. Augusta and Azalea from St. Elizabeth and Seton in St. Cloud with the Long Lake Conservation Center Phenology Report for the week of February 12th through the 14th. The low temperature during our visit was 21 degrees Fahrenheit and the high temperature was 33 degrees. On our way to Long Lake, we noticed that the bus ran over a dead skunk on the road near Malax. We all noticed it for miles and miles. Otters were seen on Long Lake near the open water area around the Beaver Lodge. Otters had not been seen on the lake since November 2023. We explored the lake and saw fisher tracks and cracks in the ice. The porcupines were active on and around campus. We got to see Chewbarca and Dill Prickles digging around in the leaves on the ground and climbing trees. We learned that porcupines cannot shoot their quills. Woodpeckers are drumming and the 
chickadees were singing so much that they were interrupting each other. When the squirrels ate out of the bird feeders attached to the windows, we got a good look at how white the hair on the back of their ears were. And we had some great outdoor adventures, and we want to remind everyone to unplug, get outside, and live connected. Yeah, what a great experience for some school kids to go to Long Lake and have a chance to uh, explore that little part of the world and see things like fisher tracks and and uh, porcupines and more. So, uh, yeah, wonderful opportunity. If you'd like to experience Long Lake, the uh, Minnesota Phenology Network is having an, uh, their 10th convention there, their 10th gathering beginning March 1st through March 3rd. And you can check out the uh, the registration process on our uh, Facebook page and probably on K- at kaxe.org. I think you can get there and uh, and get registered. Definitely uh, in the Season Watch newsletter. If you've signed up for that, you're going to get the links to all of the events that John might be at, including that phonology gathering. And the registration is open until February 28th. Now it's for teachers, but can be anyone who wants to learn, right? Yeah, this is for anyone who has an interest in phenology. We're going to have people there talking about the sort of work that they're doing using phenology. And we will have uh, experts. Dallas Hudson will be there. Larry Weber will be there. I will be there. I wouldn't be surprised if Pete Harris is there. Pete's from Wolf Ridge. Uh, These are, those are three or four of the probably best phenologists in the state. And they're all going to be there and they will be happy to share with you what they have learned and, uh, and how they manage to keep their records. And we all use different systems. So it's, uh, it's up to you to find out what works for you. Our next report comes from Darcy Rolfe and Lee Jackson's sixth grade classes at North Shore Community School near Duluth. Hello from the North Shore Community School in the North Shore of Lake Superior. This is the phonology report for the week of February 10th, 2024. My name is Ruby and I'm your phonologist for this week. February 14th brought a much needed fresh dusting of snow to the North Shore, but as day went on, we had a high of 38 degrees melting all our new snow. The school nature trail walking path is covered in ice and is very slippery to walk on due to all the thawing and freezing. Miss Urban has noticed that Schmidt Creek has lots of open spots on it. The above freezing temperatures we have had lately caused all the ice to melt and snow that has melted in the area is flowing into the creek as liquid water. This week we saw lower temperatures than we have in the past few weeks and the temperatures have been closer to average for this time of year. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration has predicted that El Nino conditions stop in the next few months and normal climate patterns will return. There's even a chance that La Nina conditions will start beginning this summer. El Nino and La Nina patterns are caused by surface temperatures in the Pacific Ocean. El Nino means the ocean temperatures are higher than usual, and La Nina is when they are colder than usual. It might be hard to believe that the Pacific Ocean can affect our weather so heavily, but the changes in the ocean temperature cause the jet stream, the winds in the upper atmosphere of the Earth, to change as well. This causes weather patterns to travel differently, which is why the ocean can have such a strong effect on our weather, even in Minnesota. On Saturday, February 10th, Miss Urban went to the Saks Zimbog and saw northern trike. Northern trikes build their nests in northern Canada and Alaska and migrate south to Minnesota for the winter. In the winter, shrikes eat small mammals and songbirds and will often impale their prey on a thorn or in a tree to store it for later. 
On Monday, February 12th, Sam and Lane Dover saw a pileated woodpecker from the back parking lot at school. Pileated woodpeckers, along with all woodpeckers, eat seeds and insects. This winter, woodpeckers are probably having an easier time finding food with the lack of snow cover and the warm weather creating more favorable conditions for insects. The second graders are changing up how they run the 17th annual Iquitarad this year. With the lack of snow, the students are preparing for a different kind of race this year. Instead of using a sled, they are pretending they are pulling a four-wheeler much like the real mushers are using now to keep their teams in shape. So many local races have been canceled, and at North Shore Community School, we did not want this to happen. So the teachers modified several aspects of the race in order for us to have the Iquitarad this year. This concludes the phonology report. Have a great week and be observant. Thank you for that great report. You kids over there in Duluth really get after it. I love all of the notes that you come up with. You do such a nice job. Um, Pileated woodpeckers in the back parking lot and a northern shrike and just all kinds of things to look at over there. And, of course, the reports from uh, Schmidt Creek and how that is uh, opening and closing and opening and closing throughout the winter. My suspicion is that it will fall open here pretty soon, and that'll be the end of the ice for that year. Our next report comes from Mr. Lindner's class at Cohasset Elementary School. Hello, I'm Austin and... James, we are in Mr. Lindner's fifth grade science classroom at Cohasset Elementary School. We have made lots of observations over the past week. This has been a very unique winter. We have had an unseasonably winter temperatures and very little snow. We estimated that many of our yards are 80% grass and 20% snow patches. We also gaining 3 minutes and 11 seconds per day of sunlight. We've gained 2 hours of daylight since the winter solstice. We've had also noticed the Mississippi River is wide open in many spots in places with moving water have a little ice. Our twig experiment is going well over silver maple has flowers and the dogwood is leafing out. Others have not made much progress since last week. A couple of things we learned on our nature walk was opposite branches on trees will always be a maple or an ash. Birch trees will have bark branches while aspens will have the same color branches as the trunk. Our class found a frozen bat. We talked about how they had the same arm bone structure as human and many of other animals. We also got to see its ears and nose, which is really cool. We also got to see its wings and tail, which is used to scoop up insects. We are looking forward to another week of observations. Thank you for listening. Like, like Mr. Latimer, Latimer always says, onward and awkward. Yeah, onward and awkward indeed. And we were exceedingly lucky to come across this bat. This was a, a medium-sized brown bat. Uh, not the little brown bat. This was bigger than that. And it had uh, lovely, luxurious bl- brown fur and beautiful black wings, and uh, I suppose that during the warm period, it came out of hibernation and uh, and thought, well, you know, maybe I ought to go out and catch some insects, and of course, there aren't really very many insects out there right now to be caught, so the poor thing uh, struggled and probably starved to death and was found there on the ground, and uh, we 
looked it over very carefully. We got a really good look at it and uh, had a, a great opportunity to learn from just uh, being around the critter and having having it as an example to study. And the kids were really good about it and really interested. They, they learned a lot of things there. Uh, for instance, did you know that there are moths out there who can uh, subvert the clicking sound that the bat sends out to uh, echolocate it? So if you're a moth and you're out there flying around and all of a sudden the bat sends out a click and it hits you and bounces back to the bat and the bat goes, oh, there's a moth over there. Well, the moth has its own uh, ability to send out deceptive click signals that, that will trick the bat into not knowing where it is so uh they've they've developed this countermeasure to bats <laughs> echolocation it's like oh yeah you think you know where i am but wait i'm not there i'm over here <laughs> so the students said that can you explain the arm bone structure well yeah you know um in in nature when something works it gets repeated and and used again and again and again and if you look at the if you look at the, well, you know, you've eaten chicken wings, haven't you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there, there's that one with the single bone, and that's the one that connects right up to the breast of the chicken or the shoulder of the chicken, and there's just a single bone in that one. And then there's the next piece of the chicken wing that has two bones in it, and that would compare to, so you're, you're, if you're working down your own arm, the first section from shoulder to elbow, single bones, from elbow to wrist, double bone, a bunch of bones in the wrist, and then those five structures that form your fingers. And those are there on a bat just as though as they are on you and I. It's the same single, double, wrist bone, and then the finger bones. And, and the bat has just developed skin in between them to uh, give it flight. Uh dogs have the same bone arrangement i think horses probably have i th i think it's a it's not in every thing but every mammal probably has the same bone arrangement in its arms uh in its legs that that we have as humans because the pattern works it's a it's a good design and over the eons it has just become the design because it works I don't think I'm going to eat chicken wings anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, the chicken will be happy. too close to realizing what it, yeah, what mm -hmm. it is for me sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we have <laughs> one more report this morning, and this one comes from our good friends up at Lake of the Woods School in Bedette. This is Colin with a phenology report from Bedette for February 9th through 16th. It's been a quiet week at... Lake of the Woods School. The snow is still holding on. The maple trees aren't running yet. The chickadees are still enjoying Elijah's bird fear. Layla caught a glimpse of a porcupine wandering through her woods on Tuesday. Finally, Aurora reported seeing a murder of crows on her way home from school on Wednesday. Nice job, yeah. Chickadees are doing their thing. And uh, porcupines are out wandering around. The porcupines, as I mentioned before, they are, because they have so few enemies and they are, they are attacked by so few other animals, and rightly so, you don't want to get a mouthful of quills. It's never any fun. Uh, not that I've ever had a mouthful of quills, but I have worked with dogs who had a mouthful of quills, and if their reaction 
was any indication of how much fun they were having, I'd have to say that it wasn't a lot of fun. Um, so not a lot of things attack porcupines. And that means that there, there isn't a great need for replacement. It's not like you're a vole or a mouse where you need to have eight babies in order for one of them to grow up and be a mouse that can have more babies. Uh, in the case of the porcupine, you can have one baby and be relatively assured that that baby will grow up and become an adult. And the function there or the, the out- outcome there is that uh, male and female porcupines get together this time of year and they have uh, they breed. And, uh, well, actually, the breeding might take place much earlier than this. But the baby is born in the spring. And uh, Papa is no longer around. He he comes comes and goes and mostly goes and Mama keeps him away. And then she and the baby just go off and be a, a couple for the summer. And then after the baby gets to be sort of independent in the fall, it takes off on its own and uh, does its own life. So they're pretty solitary animals. Porcupines don't have a lot of uh, long-term t- friendships that go on and on, so... If you are lucky enough to see a porcupine, appreciate it. Appreciate it for what it is and for what it does. And, you know, for many, many, many years, um, I was sort of the bane of the porcupine because, uh, one, they were slow and pretty easy to kill. And two, I always thought they were destroying the white pines. Well, come to discover the, the damage done by a porcupine is pretty minimal. And, uh, I mean, the tree that it picks is going to be suffering greatly, but for the most part, uh, they don't, uh, they aren't going to go out and kill a whole forest like the emerald ash borer. So, uh, they're, they're not, uh, not the enemy that I once assumed that they were. They're, uh, an interesting little artifact in our forests and worth a good look now and then, and maybe a little bit of study too. You can learn a lot by hanging around a porcupine.